Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. We've spent the whole weekend following the tidbits of information uh, coming from within Russia without having a full grip on what's going on. One thing is clear, the Wagner Group posed the biggest ever threat to the 23 years in power for Vladimir Putin. But what did the mini-coup mean for Russia and especially for Putin? And what might it mean for the global economy and the war in Ukraine? Ian Bond is a former diplomat and now Director for the Foreign Policy at the Centre for European Reform. And hopefully he's on the line. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Joe. Ian, remind us, uh, for those of us who were perhaps um, at concerts in Marley Park or Malahide Castle or um, watching Glastonbury, what happened in Russia over the weekend? Well, that's a a good question. Um, Even for those of us who watch Russia all the time, we kept asking ourselves, what on earth is happening here? Um, So basically, the Wagner group is a, uh, it's described as a mercenary group. It's a a kind of um, heavily armed private army, uh, which originally operated for the Russians in Africa and Syria and places like that, but has been one of the most effective fighting forces for the Russian side in the war against Ukraine. Um, and suddenly they um, arrived in a Russian city, Rostov, where there is a major military headquarters, um, and announced in effect that they wanted the defense minister and the chief of the general staff sacked, um, and um, then began a drive to Moscow, which is, I don't know, 800 miles away or something like that. Um, And they got more than halfway there, uh, before deciding apparently that they weren't going to take Moscow after all and turning around and going back. And now the head of the Wagner group, a man called Yevgeny Prigozhin, has gone into exile in Belarus. And everybody has sort of said, well, we'll, we'll forgive and forget. And um, Wagner troops will not be punished for taking part in an armed rebellion. Now, so it was a very peculiar weekend. Now, seriously, you've been watching Russia for many, many decades. Can you believe that the leader of a fully armed private military uh, company is going to quietly disappear and go into retirement uh, in Belarus? Uh, no. Uh, the question is whether he will be allowed to. Um, if I were Mr. Prigozhin, I would be staying away from open windows and tasting my tea extremely carefully. Um But I think uh, also um, we have to wonder what is going to happen to the Wagner group and its forces. Um, As I say, they were some of the most effective forces in Ukraine. And there's tens Um, of thousands of them, Ian. It's not as if this is a small little band. There's tens of thousands. They're heavily armed, well-financed. Well, they were well-financed. And they're all over the world. Yeah, they're they're a bit less well-financed now because um, one of the things that uh, Putin's forces were able to do on Saturday was to confiscate an enormous amount of cash. I mean, several tens of millions of pounds worth of of cash or euros worth of cash um, from Wagner's headquarters in St. Petersburg. Um, But yeah, they operate in a number of African countries. 
um, they are, as well as being a private military company, uh, a kind of raw material extractive company, um, getting metals and uh, rare minerals from Africa and selling those on the world market and making a considerable profit from that. Um, so, yeah, 25,000 heavily armed people. Um, I've no doubt that they will go back to the fight in Ukraine. But the question is, uh, are the tensions between them and the defense ministry going to continue? And I think the answer to that is yes, they will. Now, I'm uh, stay with us, please, Ian. And when we, when we come back, we will talk about what this means for Russia, for Putin, for Ukraine and for the global economy, if there is any long term uh, ramifications. Stay with us, Ian, and we'll take a short break. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. Talking to Ian Bond, a director of for foreign policy at the Centre for European Reform, about what happened in Russia at the weekend. So, Ian, what does it mean for Putin? Putin looks more vulnerable than he has looked for a very long time. Um, you know his his speech to the nation on Saturday morning, when this uh, rebellion looked as though it was making very rapid progress, uh, seemed to me to show considerable signs of weakness. Because apart from all the sort of rhetoric about betrayal and stabs in the back and so on, um, you know he referred to 1917. Well, 1917 did not end well for the Tsar. Mm. Um, and Putin, in effect, was saying to people, look, you know, this could this could end up with me being deposed. Is that what you want? Um, so I think it, it made him look weak. Um, it, it, what was noticeable was that the columns of um, Wagner vehicles, which left southern Russia heading for Moscow, were able to make considerable progress facing almost no opposition you know they may they got more than halfway to to moscow in the space of a few hours without any military units or even sort of um national guard or whatever coming out on the road and trying and it to was stop the them. president of uh, it was president lukashenko of belarus that actually brokered the deal it wasn't any physical barriers that stopped uh, wagner reaching uh, moscow that's right. I mean, it, it's an interesting question whether Lukashenko, in fact, did broker the deal or um, a figurehead for it. It was a, it was a, a figurehead for it, a, a face for it. I've seen some suggestions that actually it was um, people within Putin's entourage who had pre-existing sort of good connections to both Lukashenko and Prigozhin, who may have sort of arranged this. But you know, be that as it may. Um, Putin himself pretty much went to ground. Um, the um, people were able to see that Putin's private plane left Moscow. Um, his spokesman denied that he had left Moscow. But of course, there's an old saying, never believe anything till the Kremlin has denied it. <laughs> I think it's quite likely that Putin went to a, a more secure location um, in in fear that, in fact, Wagner would penetrate Moscow. Now, what so, does, yeah, what, he looks weak. Yes. What does it mean for Ukraine? Uh, the the, the counteroffensive is well underway. Um, there were quite a few people who were assuming that uh, Russia's preoccupation would be Ukraine's opportunity. And I think that still remains true. Um, the Ukrainians are claiming to have made quite a bit of progress. Not, you know, not we're not talking hundreds of kilometers. They they can't move quite as fast as Wagner did in the direction of Moscow, uh, but they do seem to have made some progress in a number of areas in southern and eastern Ukraine. 
Um, but obviously, the fact that this has been resolved very quickly means that probably uh, they're, they're not going to um, have as much opportunity to take advantage of Russian infighting as they might have hoped. But I'm not sure that this unrest is over. You know, the, the fundamental cause of this unrest, namely the dissatisfaction of people who are doing the fighting with the performance of the Ministry of Defence, isn't going to go away because the Ministry of Defense, the senior Russian commanders, have been extraordinarily incompetent over the last 16 months. And there is talk that the defense minister, Shoigu, is under some sort of house arrest. But there's all sorts of rumors. And because there's no free reporting in the in the sense that we know it here in Western Europe, uh, we, we can't get an idea what goes on. But would it be fair to say, Ian, that even if um, Prigozhin, from Wagner had succeeded in toppling Putin, it wouldn't make Russia suddenly a free and open democracy and the war would suddenly end. Oh, God, no. I mean, Prigozhin is a war criminal. Uh, the Wagner group came out of the, the Russian Nazi movement. It's called Wagner because Wagner was Hitler's favorite composer. Mm. Um, so, you know, nobody should mistake Prigozhin for some kind of uh, romantic democratic revolutionary. Uh, this would have been a replacement of one hardline fascist uh, regime by uh, another, perhaps even more brutal. Um, so, you know, this, this was not a, a battle in which there were any good guys. Yeah. Uh, and a final assessment, I think you've already hinted at it, that this mini coup is not the end of it that could there be rival factions now developing within russia i there have always been rival factions but what what's happened in the past is that putin has been the great arbitrator you know when when the disagreements between different factions threatened to get out of hand putin was always the guy who could sort this out and we saw this rebellion in part because Putin had allowed the rivalry between Wagner and the Ministry of Defense to rumble on for months and months um, without doing what he had always done in the past and finding a solution which either slapped down one or the other party or found some kind of middle ground where everybody could be equally dissatisfied. Um, this time, he just kind of let it keep happening until it became impossible not to deal with. And that certainly left him looking less invincible and perhaps less useful to other members of the elite than he has been for the last 20 odd years. Indeed. And Ian, I suspect your expertise will be in demand a lot in the coming uh, weeks and months as we try to all we're, we're all becoming Kremlinologists. Um, Ian Bond, the former diplomat and now director at the Centre for European Reform. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on Newstalk.